Hallelujah. 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 Just open up your Bibles tonight to the book of Judges. Hallelujah. I did all my talking before I got up for preaching. So I don't have much more to say other than I give honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Give honor to your pastor. Give honor to your pastor's father. He's the only one left that I preached for when I was a young man. Uh, all of them. I preached for Claude Ely, Johnny Carter, Chester Shell, Tinsley Rector. Uh, I think Dutch Alexander, Eugene. All of them. Just kept on preaching for them. Harley Henson, Johnny Carter, Claude Ely, Ernest Brock, Fee Carter. Just kept on going. And then preachers most of the world's never heard about. A.J. Blevins up at, up at uh, Maythell Holiness Church. You didn't know that one, did you? How about, how about Flat Brownies Creek or Flat Shoals? Yeah. Stony Fork. Straight Creek. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give Meaty. Take this back to my cousin Meaty. I called her up. I didn't know she was coming to church tonight. I hadn't seen her in a good while. And I said, Meaty, I want to see what you look like before we both fall apart. She's like all of the Sizemores and Markhams. They're all pretty. And you know what? <clears throat> are you a Markham? Well, I guess the Markham men are handsome too. We can't leave them out. Those daughters, I can't, uh, if I can remember them all, Aunt Ollie, Aunt Daisy, Aunt Laurie, Almeida, my great-grandmother, Aunt Bertie, Baldwin, and uh, then the boys were, I think, Dewey, Charlie, Lincoln. There's a bunch of them. Let's all, if you're able, let's all stand for the reading of the word. <clears throat> oh, hallelujah. You know, Brother Willie Russell appeared to me in a dream not too long ago. And uh, so I called. And, of course, you know, he's, he's at an age where his train is on the way. We just don't know which one he's going to get on. <clears throat> I mean, we don't know what stop. Because about the time you think he's going out of here, he's not out of here. And he's probably going to surprise everybody when it happens. I heard he was bad, and I said, Brother Russell's waiting on Easter. Because a lot of those old-timers go on Sunday for some reason. I said, he must be waiting on Easter. But uh, he's the only one still alive. But I went to his home, went to his altar where he prayed. And he prayed over me, and we've got it on film. And that's one of the highlights of my life. And I'm so thankful that I did it when I had the opportunity, had the time. He was healthy enough to walk anywhere on that property. And the Lord worked it out. We're going to be reading out of Judges chapter 16. Where's the clock at around here? You know what? We got a clock I think as big as a... 
That's what happens when you pastor 134 blood relatives. <laughs> I usually don't preach long. And I want to try to keep that still the same. In Judges chapter 16 verse 4. And it came to pass afterward that Samson loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. Whose name was Delilah. Just for a few moments we're going to deal with the subject. The valley of Sorek. S-O-R-E-K. The valley of Sorek. Let's pray. Father we come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you, God, for the good spirit of love that's in this house. I thank you, Lord, because we're a people that came on a Tuesday night. We're an unusual people, Lord. The flow of the modern-day church is not to have anything but a Sunday experience. But we have come tonight on a Tuesday night. Some came last night on a Monday night. And I'm thanking you, Lord, because there... There is a people that are in love with you, that want you. Now in the name of Jesus, let this word be preached with love, with mercy, compassion. And as your Bible teaches me, with demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Just for a very few moments tonight, we're dealing with the subject, the Valley of Sorek. First of all, the book of Judges covers a period of about 400 years. And the theme of the book of Judges is found about three times and it says where there was no king, everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. So what that means was there was no absolute authority. There was no one calling the shots. So wherever you went in Israel, whether you went from Dan or all the way down to Beersheba, down by the Dead Sea, whatever community lived there, they sort of made up their own rules. Almost like the old, uh, the old rules, you know, about seatbelts. Kentucky was one of the last ones to make you put it on. And, uh, and I know these young people, don't understand, they don't understand a life without seatbelts. But you know the olden days when you went to Florida, your two-year-old sat in the steering wheel and laughed and had a good time. And, <laughs> and then the other, other three would get in the back of the window. They hung upside down half the time, climbing over the seats. Children used to have the best ride in the world going to Florida. They, they, they went from the front to the back. They'd be crawling in the floor in the front, climb over the back, da, 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 da. have a good time. But uh, it was sort of like that. Kentucky is a state that has 120 counties. Each county is sovereignly run by its own judician, which means uh, up until just a few years ago, it was 75% dry which meant you could not buy alcohol in 75% of the state. It's still dry in most of Kentucky, but we have wet cities now. Because like in Laurel County, it's dry, but you can buy liquor in London. But you have to drink it in a certain place. So that's what happens. Uh, you know, I go to different countries. I was in Italy and... And I, they, they said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Kentucky. They said, oh, the land of Kentucky bourbon. I said, uh, I said, yeah, that's where I'm from. 
And I said, but did you know in 75% of my state it's illegal to drink? And they said, what? You can't drink alcohol? I said, you can't buy it and you can't sell it. You can drink all you want if you can get a hold of it. But uh, you can't buy or sell it. But where there is no absolute authority, and the absolute authority was the priest, it was the prophet. But now they entered into the backdrop of the worst dark ages you could ever imagine. I preached Sunday night, and I'm not going to preach that again. Some of the most crude stories are in the book of Judges. Things that are so difficult to even understand. Murders that are there. And uh, people's vengeance taken out in certain ways. And so what happens is in this particular place, and it's nothing but humanism, that's what humanism is. Humanism is every man does that which is right in his own eyes. It's all right, you, you know, it's all right for you to abort because you want to. But it may not be right for you, but it's all right for you. It's all right for you to engage in this type of sexual activity, but it's not all right for you. So you get everyone's opinion when you take away the absolute authority. So the entire book of Judges shows you what life is like under a complete humanistic community and society. So now you get to the tribe of Dan, which is as far north as you can get in the country of Israel. And the Bible said that the Philistines had come in, because this is always what happens. Every time the enemy can get a foothold in, he can only get in where there is no truth. <laughs> because the entrance of his word brings light. And if you want to live in a dark house, just take the Bible out of it. Uh, you want to live a dark life? And I'm, let me tell you something, living in darkness is no fun. Sometimes when I come in, now my wife is originally from, she's born in Harlan County, Kentucky, in the Appalachian Mountains on the Black Mountain. And I, some, I don't want to disturb her. She's a principal of a school. And sometimes when I come in late, and I, I've thought before, I'll just, uh, I know how to get back to that bedroom. And this one particular night, I, you know, I, I was doing real well. I made it past the, the, the couch that I've stubbed my toe on so many times. I made it past that. And I, I thought, oh, boy, you made it now. And I got down that hallway, and I started picking up speed. Because I realized I, I'm doing a good job. But I didn't know the bedroom door was shut. Because <laughs> brothers and sisters, I've never, the closest neighbor I've ever had has been 25, 30 acres away. So I've never really had neighbors. So there's no street lights, nothing. It's black as coal. And all at once I'm walking and poof, I hit that door. And she's going, what? Who is it? And, uh, and I did everything I didn't want to do. You know why? Because there was no light. And if you want to constantly be buttoned up against things, hitting your head up against the wall, knocking your feet over here and knocking your feet over, just get rid of the Word of God. It's that simple. Just take God's Word out of your life and you're already in for conflict. So whenever there's conflict like that, that's when the enemy finds a good time to take over. So the Philistines came, which was the enemy, and the enemy put up his signs, I'm in control now. And for 40 years... The enemy was in control. But then the Bible said that God heard the cries of somebody. Somebody was praying. And while somebody was praying, he found a family by the name of Brother Manoah. 
And Brother Manoah and his wife, and all at once God said, I'm going to raise up a child. I'm going to raise up a special child. He's going to deliver from this 40 years of the enemy's control. Oh, what power began to move. All at once in the, in the area, the geographic area of the territory of Dan, there was angelic visitations. There was a sacrifice that was made. There was a flame of fire that went up. There was such spiritual encounters. It was the most wonderful thing ever. The Holy Ghost said through, <clears throat> through the angel of the Lord, which is actually the pre-incarnate God, that I'm gonna read, you're going to have a son. Told, told Manoah's wife, Don't, none of you can drink any more wine. It's over with that. Don't even think about it. You can't, you can't have any of that stuff because you've been separated. You've been consecrated for this mighty move. And this son that you're going to have is going to be a Nazarite. And there's three things that I'm going to require him. This is all I'm going to require. I'm going to move with him with supernatural strength. I'm going to move with him with supernatural powers. But I don't want him being around anything that's dead. I don't want him drinking wine. And I don't want him being around the vineyard. Stay away from the vineyard. And I don't want him to cut his hair. His hair is a consecration to me. I don't want a razor upon his head. So you know how that the Bible said that the Spirit of God moved upon Samson while he was still living up in Dan, somewhere between Zorah and Eshtol. All at once in that area said the Spirit would move on him at certain times. The Holy Ghost began to move. And God began to move. Samson, names, his name means a bright and a shining light. Actually, in Hebrew, it's almost equivalent to sunlight. It means the bright light of the sun. So God raised up this young man whose name means the bright light of the sun to shine under the darkest conditions that there could ever possibly be. The conditions were terrible. There was every evil imaginable thing. Now listen, you think it's bad. It hasn't even got as bad as the Bible says it's going to get. The perversion is going to reach a, 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 a perverted uh, 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 type that's going to be beyond your imagination. When the Bible speaks of certain things, it's telling you it's, it's not just some of the things we see. It's going to get in actual demonic forces and control. But in this darkness, God raised up Samson. But it wasn't long till Samson, he already violated the first one. He'd already been around the carcass. He'd already been around that which was dead. So he violated that one. But God still used him because God's patience is great and God's love is great and God's mercy is great. And then it was time now, the Bible said he went to the valley of Sorek. Now, now this is something because the name Sorek in the Hebrew means dark, rich grapes. The best producing grapes for wine. So if you are in the country of Israel and you look at a hillside and you say Sorek, you're saying, oh, that's where the luscious dark grapes grow that produce the richest, most fine wine. That's where they grow. So God told him to stay away. You know the scripture says shun the very appearance of evil. But the, the enemy knows that he can't take what you've got. He knows he can't stop what you have. But if he can get you in an environment 
to where you be, will become impotent and have no power and have no boldness. So he tempts, he tempts this bright shining light and takes him into the valley of Sorek, into the place where he shouldn't be going. Takes him to an area that he should never been in the first place. And he falls in love with a woman by the name of Delilah. And her name in Hebrew means oppression. Oh my goodness, he is in for a sudden venomous attack of the fangs of hell to wrap its body around him and to clutch its venomous fangs into his life. He's on the way to sudden destruction. And you wonder sometimes, why can't people see it? Why can't they see it coming? Don't they know that when you go to a place you shouldn't go, sin will take you further than you should ever go. Sin will make you do things you said you would never do. It'll make you say things you said you'd never say. I know right now, if it wasn't for the mercy and the grace of God, I was born with a wild streak, and I know I was. I got paddled by every school teacher I had up to the 10th grade when the Lord transformed my life. There was a wild streak in me. I wanted to be drunk. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. But my parents were so strict I couldn't get out of their cage. I wanted to get out of that cage. But I had a father that would wear me out without any exception of any kind. There was no way that there was going to be a sign on my door in my bedroom that said private property, keep out. My mom would have taken that thing and would have beat me to pieces. Somebody said, it sounds brutal to me it sounds like you were raised in a concentration camp some wild little boys need a concentration camp I said some of them need it there wasn't going to be no cussing in our home. There wasn't going to be no cigarette smoking in our home. There wasn't, you know, mom's family was dyed in a wool holiness and they hated television. I mean, they preached on television so hard. And mom, she was, she was against the television. She never said anything much about it. She loved to watch it, but she stayed away from it because she, she knew her grandmother said stay away from it. So she stayed away from it. But dad was dyed in a wool Baptist and he said he wasn't giving up Andy Griffith for anybody. So when dad went to work about 8 o'clock or 7.30, we became holiness. And we stayed holiness till he got home about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, we had those kind of things. It was raised like that. Mom, I'm telling you, she, I told her we was all, we have dinner at our house every Sunday. And all the family's there. And my wife cooks for it all. And we, while we're eating, I said, I got to tell a mom's story. I said, in the fourth grade, I said, I came home singing, here comes Peter Cottontail. I mean, I was, I was just I was blaring it out hopping down the bunny trail hippity hoppity Easter's on its way here come mom she threw that ponytail around and she said let me tell you right now there won't be no bunny hopping around in this house I said then 13 or so many, when I was a teenager, Brenda came along and she ended up getting an Easter basket. And for the first time, we got to see those little marshmallow ducks. We never had any of those before. And those chocolate rabbits, oh, thank God for the chocolate rabbit. We never had any of that. But I was raised with a wild streak. But then the Lord got a hold of me. But that doesn't mean my wild streak died. That just means I had the power of God to overcome the wild streak. 
I said, Tom, you know what's in you. You have to stay out of that place. You don't listen to that music and you don't go to that place and you don't watch that and you don't wear this and you don't go to that place because I knew the moment that I went to the valley of Sorek, I knew if I ever got in that valley that there was something that was going to get a hold of me that should never get a hold of me. Most of the problems we have is our temptation is staying out of there at that time. Find out when and where you're tempted and stay out of there at that time. I have people say, oh, I've just got a lust problem and I don't know how I can get victories. If you know, as if I'm some type of a eunuch or something, they come up to you and they go, you don't really understand. You know, I got this lust problem and I can't get over this lust problem. You know what their problem is? When they leave church on Sunday, they get ready to go to work on Monday. They get in that jacked up F-150 or F-250 that you got to have a ladder to get in. They turn on that country music and they wiggle, wiggle for 40 minutes and all they listen to is adultery and fornication and booze and drinking and wonder why you don't have any victory. I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you don't get out of the valley of Sorek, there's something going to take your life. The enemy wants to get you as close to that world. Oh, listen, somebody said, oh, no, we're going to go back to hearing that again. I'm not here to get on your earrings. I'm not here to look at your fingernails. I've already been through that. I've already been through that stage. I know when we was at the church and finally the women said, we want to wear fingernail polish on the platform. And I said, so the older women said, well, we'll let them wear clear, clear. That's how it is in Kentucky. We'll let them wear clear and we'll let them wear a little light pink, but that's it. No red. I mean, the Holy Spirit said, no red, absolutely no red. And here I am, here, here, I, here I am, some sister, she, you know how they are. You know how they are. It went from pink to dark pink to darker pink to reddish pink. And so I said, I got so sick and tired of running everybody's hands through a CAT scan to see if they were worthy to praise the Lord or not. Listen, I can't follow you to the beauty shop. I can't follow you to the nail place. I'm not going to follow you out of this place. You have to make up your mind what is worth it. What is worth your salvation? You have to know where you're tempted. You have to know when you're tempted. You have to know what God says and get out of there at that time and say, God has called me. Listen, if we ever needed a bright shining light, we need a bright shining light now. We don't need no dead church. We don't need no formal church. We don't need a bunch of people going through religious action coming in a bunch of dead heads and walking out a bunch of dead beats. That's not what's going to take power over the devil. We're living in a day and hour when they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Oh glory to God. Let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. So I'm not here to get on a bunch of petty things. The Bible says two things about the way you look, and that's all it says, brothers and sisters. Modesty and distinction between the sexes. That's it. That's all I'm saying right now. And I'm not here to talk about that. But I'm here to say this. We are living in such a day. I'm in the airports every week. It's to the point you're saying, Lord, have mercy. This new type of material they used to preach. You know they used to preach on tight jeans. They don't make a jean tight. I know what it's like to wear tight jeans even when I was on fire for God. I know what it's like to get them out of the dryer. Have to lay on the floor and take a pair of pliers and pull up your zipper. 
Come on, am I the only person from the 1970s and the late 60s? Am I the only one that wore bell bottoms and, and had platform shoes? Am I the only one that wore plaid pants? Don't act like you, don't act like you all the time walking around looking like you look now. But I'm telling you what this new material looks like, a pair of pantyhose is what it looks like. And I was preaching down in Florida and all I, this is all I said. You think, I'm talking about Pentecostal people. You'd think Pentecostal people who's, who's raised on such terrible, hard preaching, not, not terrible, but very strict preaching, you would think that they could handle some things. And I'm preaching down in Florida and I said, now when God gets a hold of you, you're going to have to make some changes. I said, you don't need to be walking around the string up your back end shaking your flesh all up along that beach. That's all I said. I'm telling you what, it looked like the pastor's daughter was going to throw a rock at me. She looked over at her mother, rolled those eyes like that. I said, I'll go to the Valley of Sorek if I want to. I'll go to the Valley of Sorek if I want to. Nobody's going to tell me I can't wear my yoga drawers and show all my dimples and pimples and wrinkles and rimples. Nobody can tell me what to do. Well, I'm here. You're going to do what you're going to do. But if you're going to be that bright, shining light, if you're going to have power with God, if the anointing's going to... God is calling a people out. He can never work with you until you come out. There's got to be a coming out and a separation and a pureness of heart. So what happens when you go to the Valley of Sorek? Same thing that happens just in the Bible said. The Bible said when you get there, you start playing around with it. Yeah, Delilah said, well, where's your strength at? Where's your strength? Tell me where your power is. Where's your power? Where's your strength? He said, I just get, the, get some of, you know, the bows that they make. That they, you know, the bows and the bows and arrows. He said, just get some of that fresh. I don't know what that stuff is. I don't know if it's some kind of a, they used to call it cat gut. But I never seen a cat's gut like that. Said, get you seven of those bow strings. Get them before they'd ever been used. And you weave them together. Put them around me. And it, oh, he teased it. You see, when you get to the Valley of Sorek, when you get to that place where you're not supposed to be in the first place, you, you've stepped out of Canaan. Now you're in the Valley of Sorek. And, and then all at once you tease and you play. It becomes a game. And Delilah, old oppression come, and she put the, she put the strings on the head. She knows she got 1,100, I think, or 1,800. I forgot exactly how much pieces of silver she's going to get out of that. The woman's going to get rich. She's going to get enough to buy her a $400,000 home and two Mercedes, put them in the garage, a swimming pool in the backyard, and a condominium in Florida. Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but it's close. Hallelujah. She's going to get all that stuff. The woman's going to get rich. And she got her back up. She got the enemy getting ready just to put the claws on him. And about that time, she goes, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he shakes himself and shakes it off. She teases him the second time. This time he takes fresh ropes. And she said, The Philistines be upon you. She couldn't wait to get in that condo. Couldn't wait to have that Mercedes, those two Mercedes in that garage. She couldn't wait. She's going to pay him off. Do you think the world loves you? Do you think the world loves you? I watch young people sometimes that back in the olden days, they would have a name of a rock group on the front of their shirt. Uh, that rock group never went to one Sunday school class. Uh, that rock group never stayed up all night while you ate pizza. That rock group never
never, never went to youth camp with you, never did anything for you in your life. The world doesn't want anything but what they can get out of you. I said the devil doesn't want anything but what he can get out of you. And when he takes your virginity and he takes your strength and he takes your health and he takes your home and he takes your family and he takes everything you've got, then he leaves you to rot in a hole. He just leaves you there to die. But there is one called the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley. He'll meet you right where you are. He'll meet you in your ashes. He'll meet you in your struggle. He'll meet you in your problems. And then the Bible said in the valley of Sorek, he's still there. And the Bible said in the valley of Sorek, here he is. She said the third time, you're playing games with me. You're playing games with me. And it came to pass. She pressed him daily. The enemy works daily. I said he works daily. That's why if we're going to press, you've got to press daily. You do nothing, you're going to get nothing. You think that I'm here after 50 years of ministry because I got angels on, angel wings on my back? You think when I get up in the morning and Sister Teray comes in and I sneeze and almost she falls back in the floor under the power and says, Oh, Tom, don't do that sneezing around me. You know anytime your breath goes out, you're so powerful that, that you just cause me to get slain in the spirit. You think I just get up going and walk around with, with all that. You think that's what it is? Absolutely not. If you do nothing, you're going to get nothing. If you say nothing, you're going to get nothing. If you don't fight for your children, you will lose them. If you don't fight for your church, you will lose it. If you don't fight for your faith, you will lose your faith. That's why the Bible said put on the whole armor of God. This is a fight. You're not on a love boat cruise on your way to glory. You're in a fight. But I got good news for you. There is no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. I got good news for you. You will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. And it came to pass. She urged. She vexed. She urged. She vexed. The world will never give up on you. They're constantly going to send you text messages. Yeah. They're constantly going to, the spirit of the world, the evil one, the devil, Satan and his group, constantly, did they ever pull on me? Are you kidding? Day and night, day and night, pulling, pulling. That's why you've got to have something greater than you on the inside. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And the Bible said, finally, he told her his heart. And he said, okay, Let's just have a good talk. Let me, talk, let me tell you something about me. I'm going to tell you something you don't know about me. I come from the holiness people. My dad and mom seen angels. There was fire that went up off the sacrifice. God came and visited my family. I'm just not anybody. Oh, God. That's why I wanted to tell you that when I got here. You're not just anybody. What your grandma had, your great-grandma, the seeds that's sown all over this hillside. Willie Russell's bended knees that's been all over that forest back there. All the prayers and all this. When I mentioned Sister Grant, when I'm just 19 years old over there, Willie Russell's a place is jam-packed. They're standing around the walls. I couldn't really preach, but I did have the anointing of God. And the Spirit of God was moving. And all at once, when I'd begin to sing, I'd, was it Birdie, is that her name? Sister Birdie? Birdie? Bernie. 
Sister Bernie Grant, she'd jump up and I'm telling you what her face looked like. An angel. All at once her face would glow. She'd start speaking in unknown tongues. It was as loud as any voice you ever heard before. About that time, Sister Scaff would be up on the platform. She'd go this way like that and that black thing on her hair would fly off in the air and her, her hair was still black and that black hair of hers, it would go flying in the air. About that time, I see Wanda spin around and somebody else begin to shout and dance under the power of God. Men were running. Those were crying. There was such a move of the Spirit. That's what he said. He said, Delilah, I've got to tell you something. I'm not from a normal bunch of people. Oh, no. I'm from a people that know how to pray. I'm from a people that had angelic visitations. One of these days, the world's going to ask you, where did you come from? Where did you come from? And right in the middle of your temptation, right in the middle of what you're struggling with, you're going to have to answer them who you are. You're going to have to tell them who you are. I come from a mama that played a flat top guitar with a 30 inch ponytail that sung fire, fire, fire shut up about bones. Our first church was a chicken house. It was a tent, then a chicken house and then a barn. We never had brick. We never had fancy things. Oh bless the Lord oh my soul. But that's what we were. We were a people that prayed in our food. We prayed in our power. We prayed in our joy. We prayed in our homes and our families. My great my great grandma ma'am Sizemore, they said they low on food. Didn't have any food. And she went out to her place to pray. And while she's praying, Holy Ghost moved. This is what Samson's telling Delilah. Delilah, this is the kind of people I come from. You got to hear where I'm coming from, honey. I'm going to tell you the truth about me. I've covered it up. I know I look like the other bunch. I know I act like the other bunch. I know I talk like the other bunch. But that's not what I am. 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 Ma'am Sizemore. They said that she looked back and a rabbit put his two big ears up. <laughs> the Holy Ghost. This kind of people we come from. We, we didn't come from a people that went to the local place and when they didn't have it, they went to pray first. <laughs> she picked up a rock, hit that rabbit right between the eyes. Knocked old Peter Rabbit out cold. <clears throat> Never one more time to get in Mr. McGregor's garden. Hallelujah. Knocked that rabbit out cold. Got that rabbit and the story goes like this. There was a creek. She took, she had a knife. She must have been expecting. Had a knife in her apron. Went down to the creek to kill, to, to trim and dress that rabbit out. While she's dressing that rabbit, some good old country boy was fishing up the row, up the holler the night before. And he had, we don't, we don't know where they came from. I'm just making that part up. All I know is while she was cleaning that rabbit, a stringer, a crappie come floating down. About 25 crappie on a stringer. They said she came all the way home. Whoa, whoa. You know what? You know what Samson had to say, Delilah? I never came from that bootlegging bunch. I never came from that pot smoking bunch. I never came from a 
cursing bunch. I never came from a house of whores and whoremongers. I never came from a house like that. I came from a house that was filled with the power and filled with the glory of the Lord. I've told the Chester story over and over and over about how that they wanted to, it was Thanksgiving, he got all you kids together and said, what do you want? And they said, we want turkey. We want dressing. We want the fixings. We want pumpkin pie. And they're here. I don't know if the old ones are here, but you all know it. That's what you come from, Jonathan. That's why you can't escape. Can't escape. I tried. I already tried. I wanted to get away from those holy rollers. The Southern Buff Company was making money, and we had money. Finally got money. We didn't have it when I was born. I came in a two room shack with an outhouse in the backyard and a well in the front yard. Yeah. Mom and Dad can tell you stories that are unbelievable. Living off. Living off dried beans and fried potatoes. Yeah. But then we got money. Buff Company started bringing it in. Yeah. I've got a new car. I've got a dune buggy. A dune buggy. A three-wheeler. Bright yellow. Big dune buggy. I've got a Jeep. I've got a Honda 160. That pride was moving in. Oh, you look what you... You're not, you're not bunched. You don't want to be, you don't be labeled that holy roller bunch down there. Yeah, I tried to get away. You won't get away. Your children won't get away. God will follow you to your deathbed. Shine, shine and see. Many souls come in. Shalalomokosai. God will follow you to your deathbed. He followed Aunt Helen's son out in that bar when he was shot. Eulene or Eileen's brother, when he was shot in that bar in Newport, God followed him right down. I talked to Aunt Maud and Aunt Stella. And Aunt Maud said, I said, call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. And said through the blood rattling down his mouth and out his nose and his ears, he began to say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. God will follow you to your deathbed. Is that an amen or not? I said, God will follow you to your deathbed. He'll follow you till you can't, till you, you, you have to just climb over every obstacle there is to get away from him. Chester's kids said they wanted that, and a Muscovy duck come flying in. And they caught it and brought it to him, and they said, Look, Dad, God, God gave us a turkey. He said, It's not a turkey, that's a Muscovy duck, it's an old dry land duck. And they said, well, maybe God's going to give us duck instead of turkey. <laughs> Chester said, you pray for duck or turkey? They said, we prayed for turkey. He said, well, God knows the difference. Amen. He said, I took that Muscovy duck, threw it up in there, and he said, you've never seen a duck fly so hard in its life. A duck flew out of sight. Make a long story short, getting right down at the end, God moved. Cager McQueen was the first one to show up with turkey. All the stuff for dressing. Everything he needed. Oh, it looked like it wasn't going to come, but it came, it came. That's the people we came from. Cager McQueen was the first one. Another brother came right after him. God's always got a backup when people don't obey the Lord. 
So about two or three hours later, somebody else showed up. And I think Chester said he ended up with either two or three turkeys. I'm not sure exactly how many it was. All I can tell you is this. That's what you came from. He said, Delilah, here's the truth. The truth is this. I'm a Nazarite. Oh boy, that cut her to the gill right there. I'm a Nazarite. I'm from the holiness people. I'm from the spirit-filled Pentecostal tongue-talking, aisle-running, hand-clapping, foot-stomping, glory, hallelujah, shouting, that's what I am, Delilah. That's what I am. That's what I am. And he said, that's what I am. That's what I'm called to be. And she says, oh, she's part of petting on him. And oh, you poor little thing. You must, you must be going through a struggle. I am Delilah. I am. He said, and all of my powers right here in this last level of consecration. The power wasn't in hair. The power was in the consecration. He said, it's all right here. About that time she stroked him to sleep, cut his hair off. But the great thing about it is this. He lost his sight. He lost his power. But that wasn't the end of the story. The Bible said, how be it? His hair began to grow. His consecration came back. Because God never gives up on you. I said, God never quits on you. He'll follow you here. He'll follow you there. He'll follow your children. He'll follow your grandchildren. My great-grandmother is in heaven. Ma'am is in heaven. And now that they got this DNA, we've been having a lot of relatives show up we didn't know about. Those Sizemore boys weren't just going from bar to bar tearing up Jack. We just found another one. You listen to this. She don't even know who we are. She looks just like us. She looks like Darlene, Marcia. She looks just like a cross between Aunt Darlene and my cousin Marcia. She didn't know who we were. Didn't have any idea. Finally, people start talking. Well, you know, she says, I don't look like any of my family. Well, we know why. Yeah. We had Grandpa Sizemore's reunion, and lo and behold, here comes some more up. Yeah, his boy said, Dewey's my grandpa. You couldn't deny it. His mother looked just like Aunt Pam. It happened. But here's the story. Here's what's powerful. This last one, every one of them's the same. They weren't around us. They weren't near us. But everyone, somewhere, even sitting in a Baptist church and a Methodist church, said there's something different about me and I don't know what it is. And they go into a Pentecostal church, they say that's what it is. There's something inside of me that wants what they've got. And they come to our church speaking in tongues and never been around it. That's how powerful the prayers go on. That's how powerful your calling is. That's how powerful that God has raised you up. I'm telling you there's missionaries that's going to preach in this house. There's those going to be preachers. There's those that's going to be singers. There's those. It's not over yet, church. The rapture hasn't taken place. This is not the great tribulation. And God's going to raise up a people. And God's going to raise up your children for the glory of God. Let's all stand our feet. Hallelujah. 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 If the sister will come to the piano, they'll come to the worship team or whoever's going to sing tonight. I didn't know, I knew you who you were as soon as I looked at your face good. You're Merle's baby boy, I guess. 
Pearl and Corky, and that's your aunt or something? Great aunt? All of them from down there at East Burnstead? Down at the old Evans Chapel Holiness Church? I think it's where they all ended up, came from. You won't get away from it. Uncle Howard, he thought, I'll move to California. I'll just move to California. I'll move to California. Every one of his children, him included. God will find you in California. One of the relatives on the Sizemore end of it, she was so ashamed, ashamed of this holy roller bunch. Couldn't wait to move to California. Didn't want her children to know we existed. Didn't, didn't want, some of my family don't want to know we exist. So she raised them in Jehovah Witness to make sure, because the Jehovah Witness teach that Pentecostals are demon possessed because we speak in tongues. <laughs> I told that one girl school, said, how can you love the Lord so much and be possessed with the devil? I just laughed at her. Those children never knew anything. Somewhere around 40 years old, one of them said, there's got to be something more to this Bible than this. And I want you to know, even though her staunch, proud mother separated her, didn't want her to know who her relatives or family were, now they're FaceTiming. Oh, it's so good to meet my family. It's so good to get connected with this anointing. It's so good to get connected to this power. I want you right now, if you've got a burden for someone in your life, a child, a husband, I want you to come and stand in proxy of them. That's in place of them. And if you're here tonight and you're a backslider, cold in the Lord, away from God, you can come with us too. But I want you, if you've got a, only if you've got a burden, if you've got a burden for a son or a daughter, a child, a nephew, a neighbor, I want you to come and stand in their place. Hallelujah. Because we're going to believe tonight. Remember, if you're away from God, if you're a backslider, you need to get close to God. We want you to come in this altar. Why don't you sing that song you sang before? Jesus, on the mountain, Jesus on the street, whatever key you do it in, whatever key you play that in. Hallelujah. The Lord spoke to me about three weeks ago. I know some of you sisters are going to be down at the Empowering Women's Conference. Come as close as you can. We're all going to get covered by the blood in this altar service, if that's all right. Because there might be somebody that at their seat gets back to the Lord. Hallelujah. About three weeks ago, the Lord put a mandate on me. He said, plead, beg, compel. He said, don't let one service go by that you don't plead, beg, and compel for the people to come in. He said, my coming is soon. My coming is soon. And we're going to see things like we didn't think we'd ever see. If you're here tonight, let's just, let's just make a little space right here. If you're here tonight and you are a backslider or away from God, or you've never confessed Jesus as your Savior, 
and you say, I want that salvation experience. You want to meet me right here? Anybody tonight? Usually on a Tuesday night, it's believers, but there might be somebody here that's away from God. Is there anyone? Hallelujah. Let's all pray this prayer together. Everybody just say it out loud. Say, Jesus, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I need to receive something in this altar service tonight. I need heaven to open up on my life. And I don't want any hindrance, Lord. So I'm asking you, Jesus, to prepare my heart, cleanse my mind, and cleanse my soul. And I'm expecting right now for your Holy Ghost to touch me tonight. I'm expecting, Lord, that the Spirit of God is going to touch my family, going to touch my loved ones. I'm expecting, God, something to happen tonight. In Jesus' name. Now, if you believe that, let's just start praising Him. Be not weary and well-doing. Be not weary and well-doing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your name. Come on, let's praise Him now. Start thinking, God touched my family. Lord, if you need special prayer, just let me know it. Hallelujah. Break every I just want to thank you for watching. I hope that this message challenged and changed your life with the power of the Holy Ghost. We ask that you continue following us and watching us weekly. And if you want to follow us on any social media platform, you'll find the link to all those platforms in the description below. We love you. So does God. Have a great day.